This morning, we continue your series, Heroes. In this series, we'll be learning about different heroes of the faith and how their stories can impact our lives. Now, let's open our hearts and Bibles and get ready to receive God's Word. How's everybody doing today? Pretty good? Yeah, I like that. I hear a big grate from the left side. The right side's not doing too great. Or the center. How about, how's everybody doing today? Come on. Come on. Come on, guys. Turn in your Bibles or on your, on your devices to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Father, we thank you so much for this time. And we thank you, Lord God, for your word, being able to worship you freely here. And for your word, Lord, which is sharper, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. It will not go out and come back void. Let it touch our hearts and change our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Um, everybody's doing okay? Yeah, did we have a good time Friday or what? Let me tell you something, man. Uh, the, the witches and the goblins might have been out there, but we had the good food in here. <laughs> it was good. It was really, really nice, and we had a, we had a good time in here. So God bless you all, and, uh, and to all of you. Many good Christmases. We were singing Christmas songs this morning at home. Does it kind of feel like Christmas a little bit with this weather? Yeah, a little bit? All right. Okay, June, maybe it's just you and I there in, in, in the spirit. Okay, everybody's at First Samuel. First Samuel. First and Second Samuel. Samuel is mentioned only in First Samuel. Second Samuel is, he's, he's never mentioned. It's all about King David and, and, and all that stuff. And that's because originally they were one book. It was, there was not a first and second Samuel. It was just Samuel. And, and so there was no division in there. Uh, how many of you here were last week and remember in this series of heroes that I started out with a lady hero. And her name was Hannah from the book of First Samuel. And Hannah, if you remember, last week was, was as I said, a, a, a very unlikely biblical hero because we think of biblical heroes as being giant slayers and, 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 and water dividers and things like that. And they are. I'm not taken away from them. But, but she's a hero to me because we discovered that she was in a place of despair. And that was the title of the message last week, Hannah and her despair. But not only just did we see that she was in despair, but we went from her despair to her complete repair, if you would. And uh, she was in a, in, a, in a place, in a very particular place, uh, just to review a little bit. Uh, she, she couldn't have children, okay? And her husband had two wives, her and, and another uh, younger girl. Uh, her husband's name was Elkanah, and, uh, and he had Hannah as his uh, uh, first wife, uh, because she was mentioned first in Scripture. And then uh, Peninnah which was the younger uh, girl who had uh, children and gave uh, her husband uh, a son. And so she was, she was barren, and, and the younger girl kept taunting her and kept uh, giving her a hard time because she couldn't have children. And so it caused great despair in Hannah's life. But she recovered from this despair, and last week we, we said that her, her crossroads, if you would, the place where she started... Uh, uh, repairing this condition in her life and changing this condition in her life of despair was where she recognized her bitterness in her life. She recognized that she had become a bitter person, that her heart wasn't right 
uh, before God or before even the other lady in the house. And so and when she recognized that, it moved her on to a new place where she surrendered. Because when you see where you are, then, then the Holy Spirit, uh, God, will take you to a new place. And, and you can realize, hold on, I've got to surrender this to God. And then that took her to another level even where she was willing to just and able to wait patiently in her faith. And, and I shared with you last week, it's amazing how applicable this is to us. That either in the past or even now that we've all been at a place where of emptiness in our lives, right? And barrenness in our lives. It's like there's nothing there. I'm empty. I'm gone. And, and I can't produce. I can't, I can't come forth. And, and so we have to come to a place where we realize, hold on, where is my heart here? Is my heart okay or is my heart turned bitter? Have I turned to despair? Ha, do I have a rival? Do I have an enemy that I'm, that I'm focusing on more than I'm focusing on God, more than I'm focusing on the love of God, and in her case, even the love of her husband, because Scripture said that he loved her and gave her a double portion. He was giving her a double portion of everything in his inheritance compared to the younger one who was having the children. So she had everything going for her, but her attitude and her heart uh, wasn't good. And then when God heard her, Scripture says, heard her cry. Hannah was crying out in despair. God heard her cry and gave her a son. Of course, that son we know, his name is Samuel. And that's who we're going to look at today. The second hero of this series is Samuel, okay? But Hannah was, was a special lady, and she remembered her part in the petition. She remembered what she had told God. So when Samuel was born, and it came time for them to go up and worship again, as they did, to go up, uh, they were about 15 or 20 miles from where the temple was, where the tabernacle was. And, and that place was called Shiloh. And, and she told her husband, she said, she said I'm, I'm uh, Elkanah, she said, I'm not going to go with you. I'm going to stay here with the boy. I'm going to wean him, and then I'm going to take him, and I'm going to do what I said. I'm going to present him, and I'm going to, now listen, I'm going to dedicate him to God. Not for a year, not for two years, not for a summer camp, not for a missionary trip, but I'm going to dedicate him for his whole life to God. And he will be a Nazarite. His hair will not be cut as a sign of his devotion and his dedication to the Lord. So sure enough, when the, when, when the boy was, young boy was weaned, she took him up to Shiloh and she presented him to the priest there. And that priest's name was Eli. And she presented him to Eli and said, Here, raise him, for he has been dedicated to God. Now, how many of you know that we dedicate babies here in this church? A lot of churches do. But we dedicate babies to the Lord. The parents bring their children here. And we, as a church together, before the God and, and before witnesses, dedicate that baby back to God. And that's what she did with her son, Samuel. Samuel actually means two things. It means God has heard, but literally it means the name of God. Okay? And so she's presented her son, Samuel, dedicated back to God, where he grows and he, he, he learns under the tutelage of, of Eli. And he becomes who God wants him to be. Because of 
him because of his, his heart toward God. He becomes what in my book is a hero. Now, I shared with you last week that you're saying, okay, you, you have a series pastor on heroes, but these guys aren't winning Super Bowls. Hannah and Samuel, they're, they're not slaying giants. They're not doing all those kinds of things. But remember what I shared with you, that, that my heroes are those people who stay the course, who worked hard, who follow God, those men who lead their families in to the right direction, into the Lord's house, who, who train their kids and who are standing there as, as that beacon of hope and light in their family, no matter what happens, okay? Those who have dedicated themselves to do right and to do good and to be godly and to go where God has called them to go. Those are my heroes. And so because of that, uh, Samuel, as his mom, Hannah, fit into that category because of his heart toward God and because of his dedication, because of his dedication to God, he became a very powerful man in the Israeli nation, in the Hebrew nation. And he influenced that entire nation and he affected the entire course of history, guys, because of what we wouldn't think are these great heroic acts, but they are great heroic acts because I think those are the real heroes. You know, I couldn't help but think about friends of mine that I meet with every Wednesday morning. You see, my heroes, and don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking those pastors who have these big, giant, beautiful megachurches. I'm happy for them, and I'm thrilled, and, and that's wonderful. And we'll go as far and do as much as God wants us to do here in this area. But you want to know who my heroes are? My heroes are the men who went 38 years ago to little towns like Kaplan or Abbeville and who started ministering the word of God to my family there when we were laughing at them, when we were making fun of them and who are still there after 35, 36, 38 years preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ with no big ado, with no big fanfare, just a little handful of people worshiping God. Those are my heroes. And I believe that this is the stuff that Samuel is made of. I believe that he had that in him. Now, when you dedicate yourself to the Lord, listen to me, church. When you dedicate yourself to the Lord, you do know that it will cost you, right? You do understand that, that there's a price that you pay for dedication to God, okay? I call it, and that's actually the title of the message today, a demand, that there's a demand that dedication brings. It demands something of you when you dedicate your life to the Lord. Have you noticed that yet? There's a price, and you have to be willing to go with that demand and to pay that price. Now, what dedication are we talking about here? When you dedicate your life to the Lord... What will it demand? What kind of demand are we talking about here? Well, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 3, and I want to read something to you, and then I'm going to tell you the, the, the first point of, of that demand on you, and I want to tie it into us, okay? 1 Samuel 3, 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Now listen. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, 
was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of the Lord had not yet gone out, and Samuel, young Samuel, was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of the Lord was. Then the Lord called Samuel. The Lord called Samuel. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me? And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. So he went and he laid down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me? My son, Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to Samuel, to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you call me. And Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place, and the Lord came. Now listen to this. This is cool. And stood there, and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. When you dedicate your life to the Lord, there is a demand. And that demand is that you learn, that you learn to hear whatever God wants you to hear. When you dedicate your life to someone, don't you want to know their voice? Don't you want to hear from them, even in relationally, even in our marriages, even with our children? When you dedicate your, your, your life to something, don't you want to know their voice from any other voice? You see, Samuel had initiated his calling here with the most important thing that any believer in God can have. Listen to me, church. How to recognize the voice of God. He had dedicated his whole life, as I said earlier. Not two months, not a summer camp, not five years. His whole life. And he's being raised here as a priest and a prophet. And God is setting up Samuel's spiritual hard drive to recognize his voice. You see, this was especially important in that day because in that day, they didn't have the Bible like we have today to just read God's word and hear from God as those passages and words jump off the page into our spirit man. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not been sent. So they had to hear the voice of God. They had to hear his voice to the prophet, so the prophet could speak to the people. You know, I don't think that today we realize how important it is to hear God's voice. We do so much in our lives, in our own strength, in our own will, that very often we forget to factor in the will of God, to hear from the Lord God Almighty for His plans, for His purpose, and His kingdom plan in our lives. Now, now, dear ones, listen to me. Please listen to me. This is very important. Especially as the world continues in the direction that it's going. And that won't change. Just read the Bible. It's getting closer and closer and closer in these end times toward 
the coming back again of our Lord Jesus Christ to the tribulation, to all, whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib, doesn't matter to me. It's going to happen either way. And as that happens, church, listen to me, dear ones, it's critical, it's critical to our survival in that time that we can hear, we can recognize and hear the voice of God in a world that's being led to the slaughter. Are you with me? We need to hear from God. We need to know that we're making right decisions. We need to know that we're heading in right direction as a church and as individuals. Let me ask you this. I'm going to get a little personal with you. Do you remember here recently in, in, in the near past a big decision that you had to make in your life? A crossroads that you came to in your life where you had to say, okay, I can go this way or go this way. I've got two options here. Or I've got to make a decision here. I've got to do something. Do you remember? Raise your hand if you've been there here recently, okay? If, if, if you, how about in the last year? Raise your hand. Okay, a lot of hands. You, you know what I'm talking about. And you start saying, Lord, am I, am I doing right here? I, I need your direction. How many voices did you hear? Especially if you shared it with someone else. You would hear their voice if you shared it with this. That's why I tell people, don't share that too much with, with too many people because you're going to hear ten different voices. Go to a couple of people you trust and get, you know, there is wisdom in a multitude of counsel, but there's not wisdom in a multitude of counsel from ten fools. So what you need to do is pick a couple of people that you believe are wise and go to them because you will hear all kind of voices. And then how often have you heard your own voice that you thought was the voice of God. You remember the old expression, well, man, I missed God. Have you ever been there? Come on, be honest now, guys. Honest Christians in here? You know, I missed God. Well, you might have been listening to another voice other than the voice of the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, you head in the wrong direction and you make wrong decisions. You know, in 1 Kings chapter 19, and I won't go there for the sake of time, there's a story there in 1 Kings chapter 19 about Elijah, the great prophet Elijah, okay? The man who had called down fire from heaven at, the, at Mount Carmel with a great experience, okay? And all of a sudden, he's tired, he's weak, and he's discouraged. And Jezebel threatens him and says, by this time tomorrow, you will surely be dead. And he takes off running. He's trying to get some rest. And he goes and he hides in a cave to sleep. And God comes to him and says, Elijah, go. I want to speak to you outside. He goes outside and he's trying to hear the voice of God. Okay? And this great wind, I mean tornado force, hurricane force winds, so strong come that it, the wind shadows the rocks on the side of the mountain. And God is not in that wind. And then an earthquake comes and rumbles the entire earth. And scripture says God is not in that earthquake. And then a fire comes, but no God there. And scripture says, and then, listen, listen, a still, small voice that speaks. Who speaks? To Elisha. Still small voice. Today we call it that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Do you know when you hear that voice? 
do you recognize that voice? Do you know when God is speaking to you? When you wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and you're not feeling bad and you just open your eyes, do you say, my goodness, uh, what, um, is something wrong? Is there a burglar in the house? What's going? Or do you say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Come on, guys. It's very, very, very important, especially today, to recognize and to listen to the voice of God. I remember the day. I remember the car. I remember how I was even sitting in the car and turned the corner on Dulles to Ambassador Caffrey, and the Holy Spirit said, name it living faith. Name it living faith. That's all I heard. I didn't hear fellowship, church. We originally went. I actually called people and said, what do you prefer? You remember that, my brother? Which one do you prefer? Well, more people preferred fellowship, and then we changed it to church. But I heard, call it living faith. I heard it so plainly that I actually thought there was somebody in the back seat of the car. And I turned to look like this. And that's the name of this church. I remember like it was yesterday in the shower. How many do God speak to you in the shower? Come on, raise your hand. Be honest. There's a few honestly. Ladies too. Some ladies too. God can speak to ladies too in the shower. Not just. I think we men need showers more than y'all. But I think the Holy Spirit speaks to all of us. And I remember hearing more than once. You're a shepherd. That's still small voice. And there are people out there. They're sheep, not people. They're sheep out there who need a shepherd. And it changed our life completely because I had learned to recognize and listen to the voice of the Lord. Secondly, listen to this. Not only do you have to learn how to hear the voice of the Lord, but you've got to be willing to become Whoever God wants you to become. When you dedicate your life to the Lord, you have to be willing to become that person, to hold that office, to do that job that God wants you to do. Three different offices that Samuel filled, prophet, priest, and judge. In 1 Samuel 3, 15 through 21, the first night that Samuel hears God's voice, God tells him this. This, this is amazing. Let's read it. 3.15. Watch this. This is something. Here's this young kid. He's being trained in the ministry. And all of a sudden, verse 15, Samuel lays down until morning and then opened the doors of the house. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision he had just had. Because in verse 11, God tells Samuel, I'm, I'm about to remove him because... Listen to this. See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make ears and everyone who hears it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. And then the young boy lays down, and it says in verse 16, But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. And Samuel answered, Here I am. And he said, 
What was it last night that God said to you? He said, don't hide it. May God deal with you, but ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything. That's the prophetic voice. That's a prophet, okay? Go and tell him everything, okay? The office of prophet. Look at verse 3, verse 1 of chapter 3. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. And in chapter 7, verse 9, and, and let me read it to you, it says this. It says, here we go. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it up to the whole burnt offering to the Lord, and he cried out on behalf of Israel, and the Lord answered him. Those are priestly duties. So he was a prophet, but he was also a priest. He was performing priestly duties. He was being trained as a prophet, okay? And as the ministry need presented itself, Samuel was willing to do that. Samuel didn't call up on the phone the local union for priests and prophets, you know, the United Brotherhood of Priests of Israel or whatever they call it, you know, if they'd had it. He did what needed to be done. He took on that hat that had to be done at that time. And that's why God used him, because he said, this is someone that I can use. Here's someone who has dedicated himself, who's willing to be trained, and will do no matter what the office is, I tell him to go and do. He was also a judge in chapter 7, 15 through 17. The ark of God had been taken, had been stolen by the Philistines there. It was returned to Israel through Samuel's leadership, and the Philistines had been defeated there, and, and, and the country was at peace, it scripture says. In verse 15, it says, Samuel con continued as judge over Israel all the days of his life. From year to year, he went on a circuit from Bethel to Gilgad to Mezpah, judging Israel in all those places. But he always went back to Ramah, where he was from, where his home was. And there he would judge Israel, and he built an altar to the Lord. He was a traveling judge also, like in the Western days, where the judge would go from one town to the next. So he was a, a prophet's prophet. He was a priest's priest, and he was a judge's judge, all in one bundle. Now, here's your question. Here's our question. Are we willing to become whatever God wants us to become or not become? Am I willing to serve someone all the days of my life and not lead? You see, the hardest place to be on earth is second fiddle. Do you know that? There's no accolades. You're not the quarterback. You're not Drew Brees. You're the guy up there in the line who's making it possible for everyone to do. That's hard. Are you willing to serve in that office? Why do we always want to be the quarterback, all of us? You know, all of us. It's true. You know, Lord, don't, but Lord, don't make me do that, you know. Lord, don't make me do that thing. What? We, we had a, I, I did a little test a few months back. We had a, a leadership meeting here at church, and we called the leaders of the church in, and I asked Caleb and Stephanie to go and put trash all over the floor of the church. And they scattered actually a little bit too much. They had trash all over the place. And I stood right here, and I watched everyone as they walked through those doors to see if they were going to walk over that. And it wasn't like trash. It was Kleenex and stuff that was crumpled up. Or to see, and it was in the foyer too, or to see if they were going to put on that hat 
and do what God had placed in front of them and pick up that trash. Well, some of them were having such a, a fit. They were, they, were, <laughs> they were good. It was driving them crazy. They were picking stuff up in the foyer, okay? I noticed some of them, as they were coming in, they were picking stuff up. As well. Now, the lesson was on leadership because, you see, listen, if you're going to be dedicated to God and think that God will use you and be a leader, you've got to be willing to say, oh, there's a paper cup. I need to pick that cup up. There's a towel on the floor. Let me pick that towel up. Let me go and wipe up that floor, that spill right there. Let me go in those bathrooms and clean up all the mess that's in those bathrooms in there. You see, God's saying, you want to be dedicated to me? Okay, you got to learn to hear my voice. But you have to be willing to be whoever I want you to be. And then lastly, you have to be willing to do whatever God wants you to do. you got to hear his voice. Be who he wants you to be. And do what he wants you to do if you're going to dedicate your life. To the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 3 verse 18. We just read that. God tells Samuel to go and confront Eli. Eli is his mentor. This is the priest. And he's got to go tell him. This bad news. That God is going to judge your family. Because of your sons. Because Eli you have allowed your sons. To do wrong with the meat. That was used as offerings. And they were sleeping with, with ladies. Who worked in the temple. Worked in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the house of God. And he had to go and confront. His mentor with that. To do what God wanted him to do. He had to go and confront Saul. In chapter 15 later on. Remember the people wanted a king. Oh, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king. We're not happy with you, we want a king. So God said, okay, I'll give you a king, but it's going to cost you a heavy price. And he sent him a king. His name was Saul. And Saul did evil also. Saul did wrong. They went to battle, and instead of obeying God, Saul went and he, he allowed the uh, Amorite king, Agag, Agag to, to live. And he didn't destroy all the animals, the cattle and the sheep and the lambs and all that stuff. He kept the best ones thinking that he was doing good. And God sent Samuel to confront Saul. Now let me ask you something. What would you think about confronting the most powerful man on earth? Now we talk brave and we say, you know, oh, we don't agree with this president or that congressman or that whatever. Go sit in the Oval Office and tell the president, whoever he is, the president of the United States, you have done wrong before the eyes of God. And God is judging you and he will remove you from this office. Oh, we talk big, but go do that. Come on, go do it, go do it. Well, when you do, and, and, and God bless you, more power to you, but I'm going to come visit you when the, when, the, when the CIA comes and arrests you and carries you off, okay? So get ready, you'll pay a price for that. I mean, that was brave because you see today, you don't only go to jail, my brother. In that day, off with the head. He could have been killed. I mean, very easily. Saul, and you know Saul was not of right mind. Saul could have looked at him and said, carry him out and kill him now. And he confronted Saul, and Saul turned to him as he was walking out and grabbed Samuel's garment and ripped his garment, the hem of his robe, okay? Wow, he confronted him. Then he says, bring me this king, this Amalekite king. 
Bring me Agag, this Amalekite king. They bring him the king in verse 32 and 33. And he says to Agag, he says, As your sword has made women childless, so will your mother be childless among women. And he executed this king. So he confronts the priest. He confronts the king, Saul. He executes Agag. And then all of a sudden, okay, there's no king. What are we going to do? We need a new king. So God sends him to the house of Jesse. And Jesse has seven real eligible looking sons. And God says, you're going to go there and you're going to anoint the next king of Israel. All these big handsome sons come out, the ones that would look like they're the next king, like they were going to, you know, very kingly and, 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 and uh, Bible college looking, okay? And God says, no, 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 there's another one. He said, do you have another son? He said, yeah, we got the runt. He's out there, he's a little runt, kind of a kind of freckly face. He's out there. He said, bring him. And, of course, that's David, King David. And he anoints him. And God says, I am not a God who looks at the exterior as man, but I look at the heart. And he anoints King David. Samuel did what God told him to do as hard as as it was, as much as it ran cross grain to his office of priest and prophet, he did what God told him to do. He went against what all seemed good and uh, sensible or logical, and he just obeyed God. Now listen, dear ones, if you're going to dedicate your life to Jesus Christ, if you are a born-again Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ, and have asked him into your heart, you better get ready because you're going to have a point where you're going to have to obey God. Now, let me share something with you. You say, well, I'm pretty good at this obedience stuff. Obedience that is only a, a little sacrifice you see, it's easy for us to reach in our pocket and pull out 10 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever, and we come, you know, that's, well, I'm obeying, and I'm throwing some money in the basket. That, that, in and, and all honesty, I mean, that's great. We need to keep this church going and all. But give 10%. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh Brother Marshall, <laughs> you're getting personal now. You see, that's obeying God's word when you give 10%, not 5 10 $20 here and there. That's what I used to do. That's called Christian giving. That's not called tithing. That's not tithing. Obedience that doesn't cost you is cheap obedience. Okay, how about this one? How about one Saturday that's your prime Saturday that you think is so... And there's someone here in this church, a widow or a single person or someone who's recently been divorced. There's someone who needs to move... And that's your Saturday, and you've worked hard all week long. And go give up your Saturday. That's tougher than putting money in the basket. Are you with me? Are you with me? How about that favorite thing that you have, whether it's this jacket or this shirt or whatever? And, and God says, go give it. I'm going to pick on somebody. Go give it to Tim. Well, but Lord, that's my... I've always wanted one like that. That's my gold button. That's my biggest one right here. Now, if one of y'all come up here and ask me for this today, I'm going to hit you. All right, y'all don't come up here and ask me for it. No, I'm going to give it. 
Yeah. You see, when it costs you like that, it's a whole different story, isn't it? Oh, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, well, that's good for Samuel. I was thinking about this this week, preparing for this message. How many of us would be willing to go in and care for an Ebola patient? Come on, this is where the rubber meets the road. We're all familiar with what's going on with the Ebola deal. June and I were talking about that. And he said, well, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm a born-again believer. I've given my life to the Lord, and I know that I'm going to go to heaven. Well, put the suit on and the mask and go in there and care for someone who desperately needs love and care. Think with me. You see, that's where you see just how dedicated you are. And if the demand is too high. How many of you in here at some point in your life, raise your hand, I, I, I want to see hands. How many of you in here at some point in your life dedicated your life to Jesus Christ? Dedicated your life to Jesus Christ. Raise your hand. Come on. I want to see him. If you dedicated your life to Jesus Christ. Amen. I see one with two hands. Thank you. Now here's your question. And here's, I wouldn't be much of a teacher or preacher if I didn't do this. Here's the big hook. How many of you think it's time to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ? Come on. Come on. It's time to say, okay, hold on, Lord. I don't know if I hear your voice at all anymore. And when I do, it scares me so much. Sometimes I, I run from it. I say, oh, no, he couldn't want me to do that. Not give up that jacket. Y'all better not come pick on me with my jacket. Give that money to that kid going on a missions trip? Lord, that was for our vacation. God wouldn't want us not going on vacation. Have you been there? He, he wouldn't want me. Oh, man, come on. Bet your best pair of boots he'd want that kid to go on a mission trip more than you going on a vacation. He's about kingdom business. But the neat part is, if you give up the vacation for the mission trip for the kid, guess what God's going to do? Brother, get ready. He's going to pour it out on you, and you're going to have a better vacation than you ever thought you'd have. We've lived that. We've literally lived that. The first tithing that we did, we took the plunge. I worked on a railroad. It was, they were big checks we're putting in there. Time for vacation. 
there's no money to go on vacation. All of a sudden, I go to the mailbox. There's a big check from the credit union. You know the thing on, 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 on Monopoly? Bank error? We got a bank error letter. Went on our first vacation to Gulf Shores, Alabama. Come on, guys. Stand with me. Who's ready to rededicate their life to Jesus Christ? Come on. This isn't going to be a big fancy altar call. You come down with fear and trembling. Guys, y'all come on up. Y'all come on up. Who's ready to rededicate their life to Jesus Christ? Come on. Raise your hand. I am. I remember in chapel, almost every week, it seemed like all the kids in chapel, it went from 70 to 150 when we started this church, when I quit doing chapel in family life, it was like, Lord, almost 200 kids. And every week they rededicate their life to Jesus Christ. Come on. Because they understood in their heart of hearts. Come on. Let's pray together right now. Pray with me. Pray with me. Say, Lord, I stand before you. I need you, Lord God. I need you more than ever. And Lord... I want to dedicate again my life to you. I want to be able to stand up like Samuel. Strengthen me, Lord. Let me hear your voice and recognize it, Lord. Come on, ask him right now. I want to hear your voice and recognize it, Lord. I want to do what you want me to do, Lord. Come on, tell him. Say, I want to wear whatever hat you want, Lord. I'll do whatever you want, Lord. And I want to be who you want me to be, Lord God. Tell him right now.